Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top-quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we're talking all about the latest episode of The Bad Batch, War Mantle. This episode was written by Damani Johnson and directed by Stuart Lee, and it aired on July 30th, 2021. Oh my god, this episode, what did you think? This is an intense episode, and for once, I actually watched it before you. I feel like usually you watch it before me, uh, but I was first this week. I did have to say that I think on the last episode that we recorded, I said that I would stay up for this one, and I just didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about it. I was watching Twilight. Yeah, Twilight simultaneously with a friend, and it was really late, and I was just getting really tired. So I was like, eh, I'll just watch in the morning. And I did. (laughs) And yeah, (laughs) it was so good. Oh, my God. This episode was amazing. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought this episode was really good. This episode interestingly brought up some things as far as like character development and plot that I feel like I've had to reframe kind of my expectations for the rest of the season. But like, and that kind of sounds like a negative and I I don't really think it is. It's just, I feel like this episode kind of hit home for me that certain things that I thought were going to happen at the beginning of the season aren't going to happen. And that's like not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I feel like I've, like came to terms with it, I guess, <laughs> this episode. But I thought this episode was so good. I thought the action in it, particularly the back half of this episode, I so was good. literally on the edge of my seat and I did not have on my bingo card Hunter getting captured whatsoever. Uh, oh my God. I know that ending. Tears in my eyes. I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> I'm curious. I want to hear more about your reframing of what you actually thought was going to happen. Because for me, I've I found this show to be hard to predict what's going to happen. And I think that on our show, we've discussed all the different thoughts that we've had about like the journey for our characters, even like basically just thematically, not necessarily concretely, you know. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, oh yeah, this makes sense where we're going and what we're doing with these characters and. I always expect surprise, surprising twists in Star Wars for me. I just feel like it's always like that, where I just don't see something coming. I had never had a new Star Wars experience where 
I've been <laughs> predicted the whole thing. You know, that's like not why we watch Star Wars, you know? Yeah. I think there are kind of like three things that kind of stood out to me in this episode as far as like, I guess that like reframing. I don't really know if that's the best way to phrase what I'm even trying to talk about here. But from the beginning of the season and for the whole se- the series as a whole, we've talked a lot about like the clones discovering their purpose and how for a good portion of the beginning of the season, you and I were heavily speculating that like they would kind of make their choice, make a choice by the end of the season. I don't know if they've really kind of reckoned with that choice that much, um, as much, or I guess I should say as much as I thought, because I kind of feel like the next two episodes are going to be about rescuing Hunter. And I think that's great. And I'm like here for that. And I still think there's room for them to kind of decide what their next steps are going into season two. But I think I thought it would be, I don't know, more... I don't know. I think I thought there would be a little bit more discussion amongst them about what they were doing, like big picture, not like week to week, if that makes sense. Like we got some of that in this episode, right, of like them talking about, um, you know, Hunter kind of pushing back against going like taking this mission from Rex, basically. And we'll definitely get into the Echo and Hunter dynamic because I thought that was really great. But I thought that they would have kind of more of this big picture discussion throughout the season of like, what are we doing? Are we just working for Sid? You know, we did this thing on Ryloff. What does that mean for us? And we haven't so much gotten, we didn't get as much of that as I thought we would, which again is not necessarily a bad thing. And I think still overall, this show will be pushing towards what the Bad Batch's ultimate purpose is. I think I just thought we'd be a couple steps further near the end of season one. But, and we've talked about this a lot with like animated shows, like we're watching this week to week. I'd be very surprised if this wasn't at least three seasons. (laughs) Like there's still a lot of story to be told here. So I totally still think that that is where we are headed with the Bad Batch, but um, I think it's just going to be a little bit longer than I anticipated, you know, episodes one through six, if that makes sense. And I think coming to this episode where now it feels like the last two are going to be about rescuing Hunter, which is totally a storyline I'm on board with and was completely surprised about. um, I think I'm just kind of, like I said, I guess it's like a bit of a reframing. So yeah, that was kind of the big thing that got reframed for me this episode, I think. And again, that's not a bad thing. It's just I did think we would be in a different place, I guess, as far as that broader uh, conversation among the Bad Batch was. Yeah, I'd say that that concept is the entire theme of the series. So of course, it makes sense that it's not going to fully wrap up in the first season. Right. Like if if we're going off of the concept and the idea that this actually does have three seasons, the pursuit of free will is going to be something that keeps coming up again and again and again. These ter- these uh, ideas of um, what do they do in terms of missions and how yeah. do they take certain operatives? And I don't know, like, let, let's jump into it, because I think something that you're getting at here and you're talking about abstractly is that it's interesting that they're still working for Sid. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, and I think that, like, I think. I'm surprised by this too. And I think that like the more I think about it, and maybe this goes with your reframing too, but the more I think about it, the more it provides a interesting dilemma for them where they consistently have to choose heart over money. I think that that dilemma will be consistently presenting itself. Of course, that's like muddied because we actually like Sid now or we have <laughs> an attachment to Sid. So it's not as clear as that, but and that's what makes the story good, you know, is to have this sort of um, gray. But 
the way that I see it is that this clone crew cannot be free rangers just yet. They have to have uh, an opposition and that opposition has to be internal. And the the question for them is, how are we going to eat? You know, <laughs> and <laughs> I think external that that's, exactly in like the yeah. And so the external is like, OK, but how does that fit in with the way that their morals are aligned, right? And how does that fit in with what they use? If if they consider themselves soldiers, what does that even mean now? You know, yeah. And so for me, I I think that like maybe we're a little naive in being like they're just gonna leave, sit in the dust, and just be their own, like <laughs> you know. And I think that that's could happen, but it's just not gonna happen right away. Well, you know? Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. And I I never thought that they would necessarily leave, sit in the dust. But just like, okay, they almost, they basically did. They tried to last I know. week. I know. That's and Omega the was like, wait, pump the brakes a little bit. Um, that's Hunter what I mean. Like, it's like, All right, we out of here. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I think it was like, right. So at the beginning of the season, we thought that they would kind of, kind of more concretely talk about what their purpose ultimately is or not even like in the terms like tech being like what's our purpose because I don't think tech would ever kind of have that um he's not super abstract right but kind of you know what's our path what path are we going to take as a group here where it seems like they're just kind of continuing to do the the missions for Sid but once we had that conflict of you know there are multiple people after Omega this I think is like that's that juncture in the season where you and I were like all right that's gonna be the rest of the season right and then that's why we keep saying like oh we're surprised we're still there we're still working for Sid and it's like I guess Fennec is still out there somewhere following them I'm not really sure right now (laughs) yeah I think there's gonna be another crossroads there because the way that that was left was like as long as she's not in the hands of the Kaminoans that's good but at the same time there's still gonna be people who are hunting her and that has to come up Maybe in the two, in the next two episodes somehow, uh, maybe not in a like a huge way, but maybe somehow, because yeah, I'm with you. I'm on board for where we're going with this season because I'm here for the rescue of Hunter and yeah, the stakes that are presented now that we have this crosshair and Hunter dichotomy in the same mm. place. Like, oh my god, I'm so excited about that. But yeah, I'm with you with the reframing. It wasn't as drastic for me. I'm just kind of on the ride, to be honest. I'm on this ride. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the ride. And yeah, I'm very much on the ride. The, the capture <laughs> of Hunter was a big surprise for me. Like I said, not on my bingo card. But uh, yeah, it was just a little bit of reframing, which mm-hmm. is not bad. It's just that's where we're at in the season right now. Now that we actually – you're right because this season has been hard to predict. So now we're almost done. So I'm redoing my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> But hindsight is twenty twenty. Hindsight is isn't that what we say about drugs? Um, but here's my question for you, based on our ongoing bet of the season, right? Of where the season's going to end. Got ten dollars on this game. Um, do you think that $20. Hunter? Oh, right. Excuse me. <laughs> Charlotte's like going to get that money. Do you think uh, Hunter was transported back to Camino, and that's where the conversation with Crosshair happens, or did Crosshair come to what is it, like Dario? I think is the name of the planet, something with a mm-hmm. D like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's on Camino. Mm. So you're probably right, and I'm probably going to have to owe you twenty bucks. <laughs> but I, this was a planet that we hadn't seen before, and when they announced the name, I was like, "Ooh, are we going to be here for a while?" 
<laughs> so just to refresh everyone's memory, if you aren't fully caught up in our recaps, which is totally fair, the bet is Caitlin thinks that the show this season will end on Camino, and I think it'll be a planet that we've never heard about before. And that's the bet. Okay. The it's bet. very simple. $20. It's very basic. Caitlin's like, we're coming home. And I'm like, eh, just for devil's advocate, we probably aren't. <laughs> but... <laughs> I think she's she's probably gonna be right, but I also am here for the bet. So even, even though I just spent like ten minutes at the beginning of this episode being like, "Well, I've been very wrong about a lot of the trajectories," <laughs> but maybe anyway. I'll get this win. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to give like a moment of appreciation for the art and animation and lighting of mm-hmm. this episode because it looked so real. I was shocked. This the forest lighting and stuff, the way that Hunter so touches the ground. I don't know. I just felt like this episode, every episode is like another level of Star Wars animation that I just was not expecting. The lighting just could not look better. The way the shadows come through the trees, the way that, I don't know, it just everything is so perfect. And even the music in this episode was so good, too. It was a heavy original trilogy feel for me. I don't know about you. I feel like, yeah, it was. I feel like they kept a lot of, we heard the Bad Batch theme a lot in different. Yes iterations keys motifs musical Mm -hmm. language but i feel like we got to hear kind of a a variation i don't and i don't know the bad batch theme super well uh the music in camino i don't know very well or in camino in the show very well um i also don't know music super well but uh it almost felt like a variation or like a motif for omega that we heard throughout this episode in some spaces. And it was very, it was very light. Like it sounded like Omega. And it reminded me a lot of Rose's theme and like that take on the resistance, March of the Resistance. Rose's version of that, like her motif is very, uh, we've always talked about it as like, it's very pure sounding Mm -hmm. and very, it's not even like heroic. It's like pure of heart. That's how Mm -hmm. I would describe Rose's theme. And Mm -hmm. I felt that with some of the musical cues that were over Omega in this episode. And I really liked that. And I thought that if that if there's going to be another character to have that kind of theme, Omega is that character for me. What was your favorite cute moment? Definitely Omega trying to copy Hunter at the beginning when he was like twirling, fidgeting with a screwdriver or something. And <laughs> she looks over him and kind of tries to do it herself. <laughs> It's so cute. It's really They're cute. so cute. <laughs> Super cute. <laughs> what was yours? Uh, I think it just has to be for me. Gonky coming in and saving the day by plugging into the ship and like recharging the ship. I don't know. I was really struck by that line. Was it last episode or two episodes ago where Omega says, don't worry, Gonky, we're defective too. Yeah. And here Gonky is helping. He's just part of the team too and i was just really happy i just think it goes with the theme of like the bad batch crew and i just like having gonky i love gonky heart eyes for gonky always <laughs> team gonky you want, you want a plush of gonky i want i want a gonky something okay i want gonky <laughs> you need it you need it in your life all right so before we kind of dive into the bad batch um specifically in this episode and some of the things that were revealed i think we should talk about that we did go back to camino for a good chunk of this episode and some interesting developments on camino um guys i i think lama sue died (laughs) shook i think that was very okay i just need to talk about that because i don't like lama sue you know what i mean like i think he's a warmonger, uh, a businessman that is slimy. 
you know, he's like he plays God by he's creating very, clones. He's very Dooku. Like his manner, is he very Dooku? I think I he's mean, Dooku I guess he's as like proper. a politician, like that yeah. proper, you know, never slouches, always put together, you know, very diplomatic, but in a way that's only for him. I think that's true. I just found myself – I was surprised by me getting emotional over him dying and being surrounded by the Empire and presumably getting gunned down there, which is insane. Like, right. oh, my God. And I was – the thing that I was struck by is while I didn't particularly like Lama Su as a character, I can recognize the fact that the Empire is so evil as to exterminate someone that they have, quote, no use for, you know? And I think that's a major – not necessarily a theme, but something that re- is recurring constantly in Star Wars when it's illustrated – when the Empire is illustrated as evil. Like, it, the constant reminders of how far they will go – in their pursuit for power is unbelievable. And for me, that was that moment where I was like, whoa, this got dark. This was like a Clone Wars dark moment where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And I, I got I got like misty eyed. It was a lot. Yeah, I kept I honestly expected to hear the blaster shots after the doors closed. Yeah, which maybe Lama he's too. not maybe he's not dead, but I think he, he's dead. I right. Think he is. I mean, that's yeah. what they kind of lead you to believe, but you know, you don't see a body. That's the Star Wars way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and just to kind of touch on the Camino situation a little bit more, I think the show is doing something so interesting. A couple of episodes back, I was talking about how we just don't have any idea about how the clone troopers after when we have the stormtroopers, how does what's the link there, right? Like how does one become the other if that? And we don't have the answer and I was like it's always it's going to be something that's surprising. Um or not. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but usually it's something that's like kind of changes our perception of how we view the characters that have existed in our brain and on our television screens and in the movie theater for so long, right? And that's exactly what happened with this one, I would feel like, is the concept that the clones are being phased out. They're using the clones to train a new set of recruits who are volunteers and like from all over the galaxy, which then politically makes these planets root for the people that join said academy because... It's it's like a it's a whole industrial complex, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think that for me, I'm like, oh my god, that makes so much sense that the empire would do that because then it would make the systems that were part of the empire feel like they're part of something larger, but really they're just set up for battle fodder, I suppose. I think that it's interesting that they added this element of like the clones teaching the stormtroopers who are new recruits, but not teaching them that well, <laughs> as we find out in this. And so then, it, it you know, they we're always trying to figure out why the the clones, or not the clones, the, the stormtroopers have bad aim in the original trilogy and everything. It's just a funny in-joke, you know, and I think it, it worked here. And but But like the darker undertone of that is that, okay, so then what happens to everyone on, at this facility at Topoka City, right? I think that's what it's called um, on Camino, and how everything is being phased out, and you can't help but feel bad for them when they've been working on this project since Sifo-Dyas, you know. That's and it was like secret, and like even even Lama Sue talking about how um, we've I, I can't remember if it was Nalase or Lama Sue talking about like how we have made a name for ourselves by creating this amazing army and like people won't forget that and we have made our names as like the best cloners in the galaxy right 
And it's it's amazing because like only a couple scenes later was when Lama Su was like assassinated and murdered. And it's like, well, now the Empire is controlling the narrative. So, yeah, they can forget you. But the interesting thing is I know I'm monologuing here, but by saving um, by saving Nala Say, it seriously makes me think that we ha- we're going to have a Mandalorian connection just based off of the fact that we have the Kaminoan symbol. We've talked about this before by the the person that was um, trying to take Grogu in the first season, Dr. Pershing. And so does Nala Say make it all the way to the Mandalorian? <laughs> I bet she does. And that will be interesting, <laughs> don't you think? It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one of the things I really liked about Bad Batch is its inclusion of Kamino because we have moments of it, right? Obviously, an attack of the clones, but it's really for Obi-Wan to figure out what's going on. It's not from the Kaminoans' perspective. And so I think kind of adding in the the politics and the complications of like this transition for Kamino going from Republic to Empire, I just have found very fascinating and I really loved the inclusion of it and honestly I would not hate more of it either um <laughs> when Lama Zay was talking about you know gather the essential people and like I'll figure out a way for us to get off planet I'm like is there a whole planet of Kaminoans that we should be worried about here is it just the ones uh <laughs> here at the cloning facility like what's the deal here and I was trying to rack my brain I was like are there other Kaminoans that I know of throughout Star Wars? I don't really know. <laughs> but I I think that everything about Kamino and its role in the galaxy is super interesting and it's super important. And you brought up Nala Se saying to Lamasu, you know, even if the Empire has canceled our contracts, we're still you know, super well known throughout the galaxy for what we've done. Like, we'll be okay. And uh, Lamasu responds by saying, The Empire is not like the Republic. We have empowered them to our own detriment. And of course, that becomes super true when he, you know, most likely is killed at the end. I just think that, yeah, we're definitely going to see the connection to the Mandalorian, maybe not within Bad Batch, but like the thread is there, right? And I also think you brought up a good point about like, them not being forgotten and the fact that the empire is shutting down the facility and kind of exterminating anyone who is not of use to them there it's we talk about this all the time like with the jedi how did the jedi go from being all over the galaxy to being a myth within 15 years like that's kind of (laughs) crazy um and so if the empire can do it with the jedi they can do it even easier with uh And it just makes me wonder, like, if they install Nala Say somewhere else, like on uh, Navarro, right? That's where – there's a facility on Navarro, right? Um, I'm really surprised I remembered that planet name. going to be – there's, like, (laughs) a few – only a few planets in Mandalorian. And it's kind of – you know what I mean? Like With, like, the Clone Wars, they go everywhere. And Mandalorian, (laughs) it's, like – we went to a Navarro a lot, too. You know? We did. I just, I'm still, it's like when I'm out of Mandalorian time, it, it's like harder for me to think of those specific. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so I'm proud I remembered it. Anyway, there's a cloning facility on Navarro. So, you know, all at the fact that that's where we find Grogu, right? Like we have all of these things. I'm still not going to let go of my force sensitive uh, clone. I'm not either. 
you we know? shouldn't let I, we're not letting go of it caitlin it's a we're commodity not. like i feel like they want it <laughs> they want it we want it i gotta see it and so anyway all of that to say okay i will say what's interesting is um you know we did have a interview roundtable with the voice actress behind nalase gwendolyn yo and she was really great um to talk to i wish we had been able to talk to her longer but she did mention like the nalase's role and i think she said episodes like three and 14. I don't remember the first one she referenced, but she definitely referenced nine, nine, nine. And, th- nine and 14. Nine so and she 14. referenced this one and the one with Fennec. Yes. Um, anyway, I almost expected her to do something a little bit more in this episode. Like I thought, I almost thought she would be the one who would suggest that Lamasu be killed. Honestly, I thought we were going to get super dark, <laughs> but it does make me wonder if we'll see her come into contact with Omega before the season is out, especially if we are going back to Camino. Yeah, that's a good point. I I think I was expecting a little bit more from that interaction just based off of like expectations in that particular interview. But at the same time, like when I think about our interview with her and like talking with her and how her directions were to be um maternal and i think that for us she elicits a little bit of sympathy from us right Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't think that she is i don't think she's evil right i think that she's like caught up in a a greedy system sure but i still think that she um wanted to protect omega like there's something there you know that i i feel sympathy for yeah and even her conversation with the young clones at the beginning of the episode where they're like, we're not supposed to leave Camino. Like, that's against protocol. And she's like, don't worry. It's okay. You're still going to be soldiers. Like, it, it was very – like, she was it, she was comforting them. Absolutely. And I think that there's, there's going to be more to that. And I'm not sure how that's going to come up. But they did this for a reason. And I don't think the reason is to make us feel bad about, like, Lamasu's death. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's bigger than that. And for a character that we've actually seen throughout the, like, in the Clone Wars to be moved into the Bad Batch in a bigger way and a bigger role, I don't think this is the end. I don't know if it's the end for this season, but I don't think this is the end for her character. And I wouldn't be surprised if, like, there's another instance of her letting the Bad Batch crew go or something, you know? there's something that would make us be like she has good in her heart you know yeah i definitely think this is not the end of nala say lama sue who's to say <laughs> never before have we talked this much about cam and owens <laughs> i think wasn't it an early episode of the bad batch when we were talking about um how we were talking about the larger population of camino again and we were like, how do they get to school? Is it by, like, school boats? Do you remember this? School boat, yeah. That was, like, <laughs> episode two or three. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Echo because I need to talk about Echo, okay? So for a long time, I felt like Echo was just underdeveloped as a character in this series. It just wasn't happening for me. And I'm happy to say that we got a pretty good Echo moment. I don't think it's enough, but this moment I thought was really good because – I think consistently we were like kind of forgetting about how Echo is number one a newbie here. Yes, we consider Omega the newish person, but you know, he, Echo wasn't originally part of Clone Force ninety nine. So him being introduced, I always thought that there was something really interesting about him coming into this like family, right, and not being there originally. And I thought that there was a lot to explore there that would be frustrations and a lot of emotions, right? 
But um, I thought in this episode, it was really good when basically the crew was like, we can't go in. It's 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 a big jail cell. Like we're, we're going to get caught like this is too dangerous. We can't do an extraction. This is too much for us. And I thought Echo being like, no, we have to do this job. Um, this is what you did for me. And I thought that him even saying that you guys rescued me from Skako Minor. And do you not remember that? Like we just that's why I'm here. You're good at this. We can we can do this all together. We can break out a fellow clone. And I thought for me that was a really good, I wouldn't say turning point, but it was a really good stepping stone for what we've been talking about for a while about how like we really want the Bad Batch to help out like free, free, free clones and free their brothers. Right. And I, I feel like for that, this was a really good full circle moment of a reminder of like, this happened in the Clone Wars and this was the start of our story together. And it's really important, <laughs> you know, and I also think it's funny. I just have to put this as an aside. I think it's funny that they sort of forgot about the fact that they literally just did a prison break situation with the Sindulas on Ryloth. <laughs> but it's okay. It, it's it, it's okay. <laughs> I think that I was thinking about how like in when we were talking about that episode about how that episode felt like it could exist anywhere in the timeline <laughs> of when they started doing jobs for SIDS and SID and everything. And I was like... Maybe it's true. Maybe that actually just happens later or something. And I I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. And then I was just kind of thinking like real world about how like they potentially knew that they wanted to do an episode about the Sindulas and they were just kind of slotting it in like the episode numbers and episode times. And maybe that's how it just wasn't written into that. They just did a prison break situation, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But again, I just really appreciated the callback to Skeiko Minor. Yeah, I do too. And you know why? I know why. <laughs> you know why? Because I put it in the notes. <laughs> if you listen to Charlotte and I's recaps on season seven of The Clone Wars, you will know that we had a minor obsession with... A minor obsession with something on Skako Minor? Oh my god. <laughs> uh, with a creature called the Oc- Octoptara. <laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> it's a creature on of Skako and Skako Minor. The reason Charlotte and I love this creature is specifically because of its description on uh, Wikipedia, which is the Octoptara are eight-eyed, gas-bag-headed vine walkers <laughs> native to the planet of Skako. I can't believe we're talking about this again. It's been a year and a half. Eight-eyed. <laughs> Gas bag headed vine walkers. Eight eyed gas bag headed vine walkers. You know them. You love them. The Octoptara. We'll never forget Skako Minor because of this. Because, because of, of the this. Octotara. The eight yes, the Octoptara, the eight eyed gas bag headed vine walker. Like, it wasn't even in the episode. Caitlin was so pumped. She was like doing Wikipedia. The, the Skako Minor before the episode, and she's like, "Look at this, eight-eyed, gas-like-headed vine walkers," and she was like fully obsessed. And it never I was, like, ready came for the plush of the Octoptara. <laughs> Her credit card was ready. <laughs> I had that American Express logged and loaded. Loaded, yeah. Anyway, they did not show up, but the Octoptara is. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> blueprint for the octodroid or something like that. 
Yeah, it They're is. They're based off of the Octoptara. And anyways, the more you know. What was funny is when I heard Skiko Minor, like when they talked about it in this episode, I actually couldn't remember what we found so great about Skiko Minor. And Are you I was kidding like, me? Are yeah, you yeah. Kidding me? Literally, you I was like, it. I did. I forgot. I thought it was the description of the planet itself that we thought was funny. And I was like looking at the description and I was like, this isn't funny. <laughs> This is not funny. <laughs> it was like, There's nothing cute about this. <laughs> it was like Skango Minor is this kind of planet and it's got like a sulfur atmosphere. And I was like, I was like, did we really try to present that this was funny? Like, this isn't funny. <laughs> and then I saw it. I mean, it I like, doubt our humor too about this. This is like so weird. <laughs> but then I saw it further on in the, the Wikipedia page where it was like, oh yeah, the Octoptara live here. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Never forget. Should we remind them too about the cruise? <laughs> okay, so let me let me tell the story. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you've heard this story before, it's fine. Okay, just go ahead. Like thirty seconds. So one of the reasons why we love the eight-eyed, gas-back-headed vine walkers <laughs> is because we love the description of this. It's like purely just the description. It's like poetic, you know. The, it's got the a beats. flow. It does have a flow. It's like sort of like an iamb- iambic pentameter. Like it feel you feel it right. Right. Um. And you feel it in the same way that when Caitlin and I went on a cruise one time with Caitlin's family when we were in middle school, we were obsessed with this one menu item for Baked Alaska, which is like, this is so weird to say, but we just like loved the description that the cruise Royal Caribbean put on this menu. And it was (laughs) glaciers of sponge cake islands blanketed blanketed in in golden meringue. meringue. (laughs) Glaciers of sponge cake islands blanketed. Wait, blank. Glaciers of yeah, sponge, gl- cake, sponge cake islands. islands blanketed in a golden marine. I'm sorry, it's literally been 15 years. <laughs> Caitlin, I remember it. I know <laughs> glaciers of sponge cake ice cream blanketed in a golden meringue. No islands, islands, islands. Enjoyed world round by the eight eyed gas bag headed mind walkers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, m- we have to move on, Caitlin. It's too, <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> the beat of the Octoptara matches the beat of the baked Alaska. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm really sorry. So Hunter. Yes. Mm. Hunter mm. had a really interesting episode. This was part of my reframing, too, of this episode was Hunter being hesitant to help a reg, which I was like, didn't – and the, like you already talked about the whole thing with them being like, oh, we can't go in blind into this prison break. And I was like, you just did that <laughs> on Ryloth. But I thought it was um, – I thought it was interesting to see Hunter still be hesitant, even though Hunter and Echo kind of had this like moment of watching Hot Hauser on Ryloth with his moment of standing up to the clones. I just I'm I'm kind of I still want to see more of them think about the differences between themselves as the defective of as Clone Force 99, the Bad Batch, in comparison to the regs, and now how everything has kind of uh like everything is even now like there's no more clone army they're not even valued anymore by the empire so how does that put them all on equal footing and i want to see the bad batch kind of think about that more because even in clone wars like season seven with the bad batch arc and and in this series too they you know rightly so are like we're defective but we're also like the best there is and there's this real pride in who they are, which is one of the great things that we love about the Bad Batch. But I think that the show has had specific moments of showing other clones make different choices, regs. And so, and we've seen Hunter specifically, like, 
kind of confront that head on, whether it was when it was with Cut or with someone like Hauser. Um, he's kind of been the person who I think has at least appeared to internalize what's been going on. And so I was surprised to see him still be like, well, helping a reg, is that what we should be doing? Or like, we can't go away from the current mission. But I think that, I think that, again, this is something that will probably be continued, will definitely be continued into season two with however this season ends and kind of where they're at as far as their next steps in the galaxy, especially with whatever happens with Crosshair and uh, kind of wrapping up all of that story. And it seems that they're going to run into more and more clones. And we'll get into this with kind of some of the conversation that came up with Gregor, which, by the way, I really liked how there was, again, I think Bad Batch does pacing really well. And there was a lot of like good pauses with conversation, running, standing in an elevator, talking some things out, blasting some other stormtroopers, standing in an elevator, talking some things out. <laughs> I really liked the pacing. But uh, anyway, I kind of lost my train of thought, but that was my spiel on Hunter. I thought he had a great episode aside from that kind of what I perceived as a weird response in the beginning to Rex's request. But other than that, I really liked his trajectory through this episode. And of course, the end, knife to the heart uh, and him, you know, sacrificing himself for everyone else on the ship, including a rag like uh, Gregor. And then being being confronted with Crosshair at the very end. Him falling down that cliff, I was on the edge of my couch. I was like, a, I'm like, this can't be it. This is not mm-hmm. it. I was shocked. Yeah. Floored. I, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have been that shocked because I think something that the show has done is really made us so sympathetic and really appreciative of three characters, Omega, Wrecker, and Hunter. And Hunter, I guess, like, <laughs> he was almost straight up dead with um, Cad Bane a while ago, too. So that was, like, that was shocking. But I still think that the show elicits a lot of compassion um, from the audience for Hunter. So I think that us knowing that he is the leader, I think that there's that's always in jeopardy and that, you know, we should always be on the edge of our seat about that. You know what I mean? Um, but... I thought this episode, I'm so with you, this was a really good Hunter episode. And I wanted to say, I once again love seeing Hunter actually hunting, you know? I think in, like, the last episode, I was like, oh, it was so cool to see um, Hunter, like, uh, feel the magnetic currents or whatever, the electromagnetic currents. But this one, it was so cool for him to, like, touch the dirt and be like, they went that way. He was being hunted. And I was like, oh my God, I completely forgot his name was Hunter and he is also a hunter. <laughs> I don't know. It really put two and two together for me. And I, not that I didn't think that before. I just, the tracking of it all, is just something we haven't really seen that much, you know? Yeah. And him pointing out that there was stuff going on inside the mountain that they couldn't yeah. see yet. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's really good because for so much it was, it was like, okay, so Wrecker's the like bodybuilder and Tech is the techie and Echo has like... He can read computers and he has a computery mind and Omega's just really special and cute and has a really big heart. And Hunter's the leader. She's really cute. You know, Hunter's the leader. And it's like, okay, Hunter's the leader, but like, what else? (laughs) (laughs) You know? And I think that it's it's true. Like, he was introduced as he can see certain waves and certain elemental interferences and things like that we know that but it's it's harder to illustrate that so i guess it it makes sense to me that it in this 
instance. I don't know. I just really appreciate it. I, it was good. I love Hunter. I actually really like Hunter, and I think that he's a good character. And to your point earlier about how you were surprised by his response in the very beginning of the episode, I was surprised too, but I think for the past five episodes or so, there's been a lot of resistance for Hunter to like deviate from the course that he has set Clone Force 99 on in terms of like getting money so they can eat. And mm-hmm. that's like his leadership um and he thinks that that's the best choice for them and in some ways it is and i think that there's um i don't know i just i i i wasn't that surprised by it because i think that we've seen some resistance from him he hasn't been like oh no that's a good idea you know i'm gonna leave with my heart uh you know he hasn't been like that for the past couple of episodes and i think that we need to get back to that you know and to your point i mean this is why we have a character like Omega, right, who is going to be that kind of pure heart. And I talked about this last week about how this is this is Omega's strength, but there's also kind of a, a dose of naivete in that because of her age. And, like, this came up with, like, Sid and uh, Roland and how she's kind of rooting for both of them, but they're both, like – not on the right side of the law <laughs> all the time, but she's still becoming friends with them. And that's like the the generosity of who she is. Uh, and I think that, that we've always seen her pick the path that is for the benefit of someone else in kind of any situation that they've been placed in. And I think you're right, actually, that like as Hunter's role as leader is to make sure that they survive. And right now for survival they need food. Like they're, they're working at the bare minimum right now. Um, perhaps there isn't the luxury of making these kinds of more moral choices, but they're being presented with the moral choices throughout the season so far. And despite there being resistance to it, every time they've picked the, the heart led choice of helping someone else. And a lot of that has been at the behest of Omega and going after Omega because of how much they care and love about her. Um, So that change is coming. And I think, you know, in the beginning of the episode, we kind of saw that firsthand of like, you know, Hunter kind of getting everyone's opinions on what they should do. And it was actually a really funny scene because you had Wrecker after every person like, gave their reason for why they should or shouldn't go after Gregor being like, oh, you got a point there. (laughs) Oh, you got a point there. (laughs) After everyone kind of gave their their explanation. I loved that so much. It was was so funny. funny. I love Gregor so much. Okay, let's talk about Gregor because I think it's cool that this this clone that we met in the Clone Wars and then later see in Rebels is included here, but it wasn't you know, I think that this show has, in a lot of Star Wars these days, has been kind of bogged down with this fan conversation about, like, there's too many cameos. But to be honest, like, I don't think you needed to watch any of those to understand the importance of this character or this character at all. Like, at all. <laughs> you know? I think that you just are like, oh, a fellow clone that Rex needs help with. And here we go. And you immediately like him because he's kind and nice and he has a a way about him and I don't know I was really excited to see him here and this whole story was great yeah I don't think you needed any kind of extra canon knowledge to appreciate this story with Gregor yeah Uh, 
And I think that's that's why it worked really well for me. And I, yeah, like you, I really enjoyed his placement in this episode. So, of course, we know like where Gregor ends up. And so to kind of see him at this juncture in his life with Rex, like uh, asking the Bad Batch to go and rescue him and knowing that Rex and Gregor will be together later on throughout Rebels uh, with Wolf um, in their kind of – I don't know what their house is called, but I call it like the Howl's Moving Castle clone house. <laughs> I think Dave would call it that too. Yeah, that's what it reminds me. I mean, that's the that's the vibe of it. But uh, one thing I did want to bring up is that uh, you know Gregor does. This is spoilers for Rebels. Uh, if you are not caught up on Rebels, uh, but Gregor does eventually die in Rebels at the end on the final siege for Lothal. I think is the episode, um, and it's really emotional. Actually, I was rewatching. You were too. The clips of it and uh, his final words to Rex are so telling. And again, in the greater conversation of a clone's purpose, his final words to Rex are really poignant, I thought. And he says, um, and this is in Rebels, when he dies, he says, it was an honor to serve with you, Rex. It was an honor to fight with you for something that we chose to believe in. And then Rex says, ah, we did it, Gregor. We did it. And it's like so sad. And again, that like that word choice of like something we chose to believe in. It's just this reminder of like, the clones and their entire existence and how complicated it is. And that great Dave interview that we've brought up a lot in this season of, you know, what is a happy ending for a clone? What does it look like? And I think that as sad as it is to to have seen Regger go down in, in battle, this like him saying something we chose to believe in and fight for, that it was my choice to to do this, that is part of his quote-unquote happy ending um, is having that free will that we're kind of always talking about. And yeah, I think we see the beginning of that in this episode when he's talking to the Bad Batch about how the Empire uh, doesn't take kindly to deserters. So Gregor is already kind of thinking for himself. And we've seen this too, again, with our other clone examples of like Hauser and uh, Cut from way earlier. And it just makes me wonder just how many clones are out there who are trying to find a way out and are either taken down by the Empire or do manage to escape. And we've talked before about perhaps the Bad Batch's path, one of the paths forward that they can take, like the choice that they make for their purpose, is about helping to to rescue clones um, Mm -hmm. who are no longer needed for the Empire but will be uh, killed by the empire if they don't find a place to hide. And I think that, I think that's a really cool, I would love to see that for the bad batch. And it almost feels like Rex could be doing this right now. Rex in the hood and the hologram. I was like, sir, are you a Jedi (laughs) with your hood up? You look so mysterious. But it makes me wonder. He looks so good. He I did. loved it. <laughs> it makes me wonder if Rex is already doing that, and uh, how, like, we know that Rex's path changes in the future when he's with Gregor and Wolf. Um, what what happens with the Bad Batch? What choice do they make at this juncture in their life, and will it change later on? All of that is up in the air. I love thinking about his last words being the fight for some something we choose to believe in. I love that choice that is added there. And you said it already, but I do think that that's something that we're chasing with this series. And 
with any sort of clone story that comes up. And that's what, you know, it is to be human, I guess, is to have that ability to choose. So I really like that. Let's talk about Crosshair, okay? Because uh, I have have such conflicting emotions about um, Crosshair these days. Like, ever since that look on Ryloth at the end there, when I was like, I don't know what he's thinking. Is he thinking that the, the time for clones when their connection to Kamino is a limited number of days left? And is he considering his next move? And for me, I really do think that like there's a chance that we might get a, a really interesting, surprising journey with Crosshair and Hunter that comes up next. Not just this, like, I think it will be antagonistic, but I I don't know. I feel like we could get something really surprising and really interesting just based off of that one look that Crosshair gave in, in Ryloth and his his plotting. Is he plotting to, like, somehow leave or usurp some sort of power? I don't know. I don't know. I, I found this so interesting that... For me, I thought that Omega and and Crosshair were going to have like a a meet, you know. And I thought we we had talked about that about how Crosshair and Omega are like one left, and then the other took the other's place. So then there's like something really interesting to explore there. So I was not expecting Hunter to actually be the person <laughs> that is taken and now is face to face with Crosshair. But I guess it does make sense because Hunter, as we've talked about, is the leader. So there's a lot riding on that. And that's what makes this so interesting. What did you think, Caitlin? I I honestly have no idea what to think. <laughs> because like you, I totally thought that it was going to be a choice between Crosshair and Omega at the end of this season. I was like, yeah, that's why we're going back to Camino. Like Crosshair takes her back or like Fennec gets her back on Camino, And so the Bad Batch goes there to rescue her. And it's like this whole choice situation. And now that's not happening at all, <laughs> at least not yet. Um, it's Hunter and Crosshair that are together. And I, ever since, like you, ever since that look on Ryloth, I really have no idea what to think. Um, before that look, I was kind of of the mind, of the opinion that he was going to choose the Empire with or without the inhibitor chip. But now I'm not so sure. I definitely think he was more like sinister I guess is the right word at the end of this episode but I don't really know if that means anything right now uh, because that was you know like a cliffhanger situation so I I really think we could be surprised with what happens to Crosshair or the what Crosshair wants from Hunter at the end of this or maybe not maybe it is that he just wants to get you know the Bad Batch back to Kamino and like captured and taken out I don't know I really don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Someone in our Discord, Joey, had the speculation that maybe Crosshair will try to put the inhibitor chick back in Hunter. And I oh, was no. like, oh, man, that's like a Wrecker situation all over yeah. again. But like, anyway, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a scary theory. I like yeah. it because it's <laughs> dramatic, but I'm scared. I am scared. I am frightened. Yeah, And the fact that this episode was the biggest cliffhanger, I feel like, and I need next week to be here already. I need it now, basically. Yeah, but I mean, maybe, maybe Crosshair is, maybe Crosshair is putting on a whole act right now. And we know that the area where the chip is was damaged in that blast that he I know, that's the thing. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty prominent on his head. And like, no one's really talked about it yet. So just like we there were was, tracking Wrecker's headaches. 
they really and, made a big deal visually that he was damaged and damaged there. He had bandages for days. He looked like Dangar. We talked about this. Like, yeah, he, <laughs> there was a whole thing and no one was like, oh, that hurts or anything like that. But I feel like we've we should be aware of the fact that like, remember all the times that Rucker was bumping his head and it came back later? I feel like it's the same thing here where they wouldn't have those visual cues if it didn't mean something later. I don't I hope I hope I'm surprised. I just really want to be surprised and I want this to go into a direction that I didn't expect or doesn't take the easy path, you know. Yeah, you know, I think if if Crosshair does make the choice for the empire, I think that's still super dramatic and Hunter will again have to be faced with that burden, that betrayal, that feeling like he wasn't a good leader, which mm-hmm. that's like, you know, character growth and development and uh, like pushing Hunter to the next step of what is he going to do about it? Can he do anything about it? You know, Um, or if Crosshair does, you know, does try to come back with the Bad Batch, then I'm really happy, you know? Mm -hmm. So one is tragic, one maybe less so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe <laughs> I mean who's who's to say uh, because I still haven't prepared myself for the possibility of maybe losing crosshair uh, at the end of the season but I'm <gasps> I know I like I, I just had this thought of like what if he <laughs> is putting on an act no. and then to save the others <laughs> Caitlin <laughs> literally while I was talking I was like oh no 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 it's not good no I don't um, want that Anyway, but I also do want that. No, I don't. I don't want that. I don't want that. Star Wars is tragedy, so um, <laughs> I don't think it'll, it surely can't be as simple as Crosshair being like, "Hey, by the way, um, actually, I've just been putting it on an act. Like, I'm glad you're here. Let's. Like, you need to help me get the f out, and mm-hmm. let's go." Um, Bad Batch giving us that undercover empire that we always wanted. That we <laughs> we desperately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I literally I have no idea. I don't even have like a hard speculation aside from just kind of spitballing here. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. And for a lot of things, I think that's just good. Like, I think that we something that's good about the show is that we can identify the wants and needs of the characters. And then the way that the journey unfolds is still going to be a surprise, you know. Um, and I think we can go down the list of all of those for all of these characters, because I think that the show has done a really good job of characterizing them and making us fall in love with them. I think that they could do a little bit better job of uh, moving them beyond the stereotypical version of them. But mm-hmm. I think that that's to be explored even more in a season two and three. Um, yeah. We're still getting started, I think. But I still at the same time, like, I still love basically every character that we've been introduced to. And that's no small feat especially because caitlin and i aren't like super big clone people we've always talked about this but the show has made me really care a lot a lot more than i ever expected to and for that i'm really thankful yeah yeah i completely agree i don't have anything else better i could add to what you said (laughs) all right well is there anything else we've forgotten to discuss about war mantle i don't think so this was a really good episode two more left gang (sighs) get ready 
here we go. <laughs> <laughs> My emotions are not ready. <laughs> uh, if you want to talk about this episode with us online, you can find us at Pod on Twitter or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Crarity. We also have our website, skytalkers.com, our Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok account, all good places you can find us. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you took a couple seconds to go and leave a five-star rating or a written review too. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our different reward tiers there. Yes, and I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Jeff, Vesfes, Stefan, Anna, Jean, Matthew, Mercedes, Maggie, Kevin, Saber Bouquet, Allison, Dan, Nathan, and Nikki. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.